Ben Fagan here with another episode of Career Cash, the podcast. And on this episode, I am joined by fashion director Ale Berrio. Ale and I talk about why you need to gain experience in the fashion industry in order to be successful, the importance of the humble brag, and how to celebrate the little wins. It's an awesome conversation. Let's get to it. Well, I'm very excited as I am for just about every episode. I think you guys are seeing a theme here as this is the episode 30. I just want to say that's kind of a cool number. So happy to have you awesome. be the 30th episode. I want to welcome yeah. Ali to the show. Ali, how are you doing today? Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, 30 is an awesome number. Remind me that when my 30th birthday comes around. You got you got it. Well, <laughs> we'll this episode will be out and, and it'll be a nice little reminder for you. So you'll be in good shape then. So um, I, I always like to start the show because I think this gives context to, you know, everybody out there um, is can you kind of catch us up on what you do on a day to day basis or what you do in general and what you're kind of responsible for on a day to day basis? All right. Awesome. I am a fashion director. So what exactly that entails is I specify a lot on what is fashion shows and fashion events. Up to this point, I have been in charge of so many fashion shows in Mexico and Guadalajara where I used to work and since then I've relocated back to Boca so I've been doing a little bit of everything with fashion shows and events and just galas in general. Very cool so was it always fashion for you did was fashion the industry you wanted to be growing uh be in growing up or was that something that through schooling or through some experience you kind of gravitated towards? Actually super funny story um (laughs) My brother and I both grew up in the hospitality business because my dad is in the hospitality business. So all throughout high school, I said, hospitality, that's what 150%, I'm super good at hospitality. My dad sat me down like the day before my applications were due for college. And he said, Ala baby, I'm so sorry to let you know that you do not have the patience for hospitality. I prayed that you would get it out of your system, but this is going nowhere. So please, 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 please just do fashion. It's what you want to do. It's what your passion has always been. So just do that. We'll figure it out. And I said, but I guess, okay. So I will thank my dad and my mother before anything (laughs) for getting me on the fashion track. I was always something very, very passionate about fashion. Um, And it wasn't until very recently that I found out that you could have and a very successful career in fashion. And it didn't necessarily have to mean that you were either a model or a makeup artist or even a stylist. Stylist really just came out very few years ago. Um, So I just found out that I could plan events for fashion 10, 15 years ago. So that's what I've been kind of focusing on for the last few years. So what was that process like kind of discovering that you could build a career in this? Because I think that's something that transcends a lot of different industries is people are passionate about things, but maybe feel like, man, you know, for example, in, in, you know, with my background in filming and editing and stuff like that, that was something that I really, really enjoyed. It was fortunate enough to be able to do, you know, business around that stuff. But I think that's a lot of uh, something a lot of people maybe struggle with or don't necessarily think about is, okay, this is something I'm super passionate about. How do I turn that into a career? How, how is that even feasible? So what was that process like for you to realize, okay, this is a career and there are options other than just what you initially think of, whether that's modeling or, you know, photography or whatever it is in the fashion industry. It was definitely a trip. Um, I signed up for Lynn University's um, business program and specialized in fashion, hoping that I would get something out of it um, because especially in, especially not in Latin America, fashion directors weren't really a thing. Um, and it wasn't even a career really. Um, so it took me a little bit and a lot of exposure 
within my career at Lynn um, to go through all of that because I didn't specifically know what I was going to expect. I was just expecting a bunch of really tall people, beautiful people walking around me at all times and maybe being able to see the photographer, maybe being able to see the designer, something and it sticks. And then finding out that, hey, someone needs to plan all of this. And through my classes, finding out that, hey, you actually do have to plan all of this. And I remember, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year, Dr. Dandio. Yeah, I'm gonna keep calling her Dr. Dandio because that's what she is to me forever. Um, she gave us a little book and she had us make a little book as a, one of our assignments and we had to copy the silhouettes and we had to you know, know all of the silhouettes and the different collars and the, and the blouses and the everything. Um, and in the back of all of this, if we, if you even like had the mind to go through all of that, because it's a lot of information, um, you have just pages and pages of jobs that you could do within the fashion industry. And my mind was blown. I think I sat in my freshman hall, just looking at all of it going, oh my God, I hit the jackpot. This is beautiful. I can look at clothes and not necessarily spend my own money. This is phenomenal good good going dad <laughs> that was great so it was very much of a trip because no one really thinks of fashion as an actual thing and then having to explain that to family oh so you're into fashion you know how to draw then mm. no <laughs> i do not right. and having to get out of that box and so so how do you help other because i think that's another great point is helping other people understand the things that you do and so how do you go about sharing that with people where it's like all right you know you're in fashion oh you're a model you do you, it's like oh you you draw you know you do these things and in helping them understand because it's almost like an educational process yes. of saying hey this is i i work in events around fashion this is what that looks like this is why that's important so how have you been able to go about sharing that with people in an effective way I am very thankful that the industry has somewhat grown in the past few years. So when I say I'm in fashion, I'm very lucky to know that there is fashion PR, that there is fashion styling, and all of these other things that have become so exponentially important as they should be in the past few years. So when I introduce myself and they're like, oh, Allie, what are you doing? Oh, I'm in the fashion industry. And if people want to know a little more because it's so broad it's kind of like sports right you can be an athlete but you could also be a manager you could be whatever it is that you want in there and it was kind of like that easy facilitation of information if people want to know more i'll be like i am a fashion director i plan fashion shows i do logistics and everything that goes on backstage that's me and what goes on the front of the house is me lights and everything that's me plus the rest of my team so it's just a lot of taking baby steps to the digestion of what it really is. That makes sense. Now, if we could go back a little bit, when you, you yeah. brought up the story with your dad and saying that, you know, the hospitality, you don't have the patience for it, right? And so based off your personality, maybe your lack of patience, just quoting the dad here, right? Yeah. You know, no, is, was, a, was a weakness in hospitality. Has that become a strength or is it a strength in, in the industry that you're in now or the role that you're in now, would you say? And not lack of patience in a negative no. way, but... Thank you. Um, no, no, no. I 150% own up to it. My husband is like, you have, no, please don't do that. I will, I'll take care of it, but don't even worry about it. Um, but I think it has evolved into kind of like me being just, dude, like, I don't have time for this right now. I need you to do it right. 
the first time, hmm. um, especially from dealing with vendors, dealing with lights and production and whatnot, because my lack of impatience for the rest of everyone else turned into a lack of impatience for me. Hmm. So <laughs> the lack of patience that I had for myself turned me into being extremely just type A. I was already type A, but this just kind of like blew it off the top. And I was just like, okay, if I need lights, I need it to be cute at like 6.02. And if at 6.03, you still haven't that. So it just kind of trickles down into all of that. Now, was that, was that something that like you knew going in, this is, oh, this is a strength for me. And how, how would you kind of describe that? Cause I think that the lack of patience gets a negative connotation, yeah. but as you're, as you're describing it, it, it is, I don't think it's necessarily lack of patience as it is I would, I personally would kind of say more of um, like a sense of urgency, kind of, how do you interpret it for yourself? I have a very strong sense of like, just being meticulous. Mm. I like things done right. And I like things done right the first time, if possible. This does not mean that I'm completely just, if you're not doing a right goodbye, mm. I will take my time. And even with myself, because that's something very important in this industry, people are not patient with themselves when they're not kind to themselves. And without either of those for yourself you're no you're not going to fare well because it's a very unkind industry um so I take it as just being very meticulous and I and very passionate about the job because if you like being under the amount of stress that we are all into that this is event planners wedding plan whatever type of planners we are under a, a lot of stress at all times, especially during event time. So if you like this industry, you like the ambiance that you're in, the environment that is putting out, you have to be able to learn how to deal with the stress. You need to learn how to you know, internalize all of it in a very healthy way so that you're not immediately affected by what's happening. And it just really, that lack of impatience, that, that lack of patience that we call is not necessarily a lack of anything. It's just another way of being able to plan out things properly and be able to time manage and know exactly what's happening because a lot of what's going on backstage demands control amongst the chaos. So we do not have control in the chaos. We have lost the event and that can't happen. So it has to, it translates a lot into planning strategy into all of these things that we were taught that it was like, no, you have to be kind and you have to be like, oh, laissez-faire and not necessarily, you can be absolutely, but there's certain there's a time and there's a place for being certain ways, right? The, the industry is definitely one of them where you can pick and choose, and it will teach you how and when. So that'll it's a beautiful thing. How do you go about balancing that that fine line between controlling the things you can't control and kind of letting go of the things that you can't control, and then also saying, okay, this is appears to be an uncontrollable thing, but we actually do have control over it. Because I know it sounds what you're saying, there's a lot of moving parts around this. And I think that kind of goes into that taking care of yourself is understanding that difference between the controllables and the uncontrollables. So what is your approach to that kind of um, fine line to walk? Experience. Mm. You Because I walked in there and please ask Dr. Dandy on my first <laughs> backstage experience. I was a mess. I was looking at around everybody and I was just, I was so overwhelmed by the amount of information that was coming in that I didn't know what to do. Um, so for us fashion students, wherever you are, um, do get exposed to all sorts of events. Not, not every fashion event is going to be the same. Um, so I learned by exposure. So I learned to observe at a very early stage um, that 
is that's just how it is. Okay, maybe I wouldn't let it go like that. Oh, I would let it go because I can't control whether the model is here or not. And let me tell you, you cannot control models, man. Is that's just something you learn off the bat and you have to be as open a communicator with the agents and the agency as you can be because there are some moving parts that you just, it's not even worth your time. So exposure, exposure and a lot of patience because sometimes you just look at the situation and you're just like, okay, so can this go on without something? Yep, that's exactly what we're doing and I'm dealing with it later and you keep it moving. And one of the things that kind of ties into the experience is something that that I, I talk with, you know, a lot of students a lot about, you know, outside of this too, is you coming in and this is a thing that every everybody goes to is like, all right, man, I'm just getting into a job, whatever the industry is, fashion, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's like they're looking for 25 years of experience. And I'm 22 years old, you know, and that's what happens in a lot of industries. So it, you kind of feel like, you know, like you're talking about with the experience yeah. is like, what do I have to offer? So what can you tell that that? you know, younger fashion student, whether they're just getting into it or just coming out of school, um, who feels like they don't have all the experience they need to, to be an effective, you know, event planner, an effective, you know, leader in whatever their particular field is, what would you tell them if they feel as if they don't have the experience? If they don't have the experience, they need to go back and see, like, just reflect back on what you did in undergrad and your master's, because there's definitely little gems hidden in there that we might not think are a thing at that moment because we don't have that big name, not even an internship because internships automatically give you that experience, right? Or they're supposed to. And sometimes we just don't think back at the volunteering opportunities that we have as students. And we're just like, oh yeah, we volunteered at whatever. It happened to me while I was building my resume. I was like, oh yeah, I volunteered at Saks for a show. And okay. And they were like, hello, you volunteered at Saks for a show. Like, hello. And I said, that is experience. So there's always, always some form of experience that you have in your back pocket that because it's in your back pocket, you don't realize that you have it. And it will come up in the randomest of times, even the randomest of skills. That's what's going to set you apart. Excel, for example, my students in Mexico, they're always like, oh, you always talk about Excel, but we're fashion students, sir and madams. <laughs> let me tell you something about Excel and the importance of it in your life. Mm. and they're like what and I was like yeah I got into the job where really nobody knew how to mess with excel and so I'm over here being like let me pull up my buying sheet that I created freshman year and mm. that's what I'm going to use as a template things like that that you like uh, my professor told me how to do that and whatever mm. no dude like that's going to help you Trust me, there's always something, always reflect back on every single experience in the classroom, outside of the classroom, because it's teaching you something. And the opportunities that universities give you for leader, leadership management, or even just in general leadership in the university, outside of the university, it all helps. It all super, super helps. No, I love that. And that that's just, I think, exemplifies it so well is because wherever you are, I'm such a big believer in like the position you are in right now, you see the world in your experiences, you see the world in a specific way. And you may not have the years of experience. But like you said, you may have picked up Excel kind of passively, and you just took in a class, and you took you took a class in it. And it's like, 
now I can fill in those gaps that, you know, other people in the industry can't see. And so I think that's such a, you know, such a nice sentiment, you know, from you. So speaking of filling gaps in different perspectives, you work both in Latin America and United States. So what kind of gaps have you been able to fill from, um, because you, you grew up, uh, you weren't born in the United States, correct? Or were you? I was not. You were not. So not. can you talk a little bit about um, what you learned from your perspectives growing up um, outside the United States, coming to school here, and then also your work, um, you know, in both areas? Absolutely. I think even from Latin America to Latin America, it's just I worked in Mexico and I worked in Panama as well. Um, they're very, very different platforms. Mexico in regards to Latin America is the big mecca of fashion. If the, the myth says, the legend says that if you make it in Mexico, you'll be able to make it everywhere else because the truth is that there's such, Mexico is such a large country in comparison to the rest of Latin America, um, it truly is. If you are successful in Mexico, you are going to be able to make it in a lot of places because it's a very, very difficult market. It's, I want to say the equivalent of like in New York because it's so filled with people, so filled with diversity. So that is it. Um, and coming from Panama to Guadalajara, it, it, two completely different worlds, very high fashion as well, but two very different worlds. And I found that the push for fashion in Latin America isn't quite as big as the one in the States. And it's very sad because there's so many talented designers, my goodness, the amount of designers that I've seen to come in that are up and coming and have been working on their plans for like five, eight years. And they have these beautiful designs, these beautiful concepts. And sometimes they don't have the correct backing for it. So they kind of just give up halfway or they're like, oh, you know what, like, I really wish that I had exposure to da 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 or whatever. And that's what's kind of lacking in Latin America. However, here I see a very big push for designers. However, big events like New York Fashion Week, Miami Swim Week, all of the magic even in Vegas, phenomenal push, amazing concepts high-end everything the shows are beautiful but other tiny shows aren't quite not even tiny they're just not as big as fashion week they're not quite at the fashion event and when I say fashion event I mean just kind of like the bones of the event so you're just kind of seeing things still happen at an elevated runway so that means that the runways aren't on the floor which is how they're seen nowadays. They're still on a platform. And that to me is completely mind blowing. But there's different things that you can bridge and gap because in both areas, there's a very big need to be exposed to themselves. So that international exposure, and it's what I, I've always dreamt of. Um, I've always dreamt of bridging whatever designer I'm working for whatever company I'm working with, um, I always want to bridge them with my past experiences because I always feel like there's something there that we could always help. Um, so helping the United States, the States um, designers come to Latin America and the Latin designers to come to the United States. And there's so many different events that can do it. It's just a matter of being able to get in there, uh, which is the hard part for every single industry just to get your foot in the door um so I've always promised myself that I would do that for designers whatever students because I got that experience and I was able to do that because I knew and my professors knew and everyone knew so 
I was able to land at a perfect place where I could do that. And I was very thankful for it. I love that. How, how long would you say did it did it take you to feel established in the industry? Do you feel established in the industry? My God, right no. There? I do not feel established. <laughs> so, so, so why so why 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 don't you feel established in the industry? Because I feel like established comes with a certain sense of comfortability. Hmm. And Barb might kill me for this, but it's fine. Um, I just feel like I have so much more to go. I really only have six years in the industry, and that compared to other greater event planners and fashion directors, absolutely nothing. But I've worked with them. So I'm very lucky to say that a lot of them are my friends and we talk and they just, they've done so much, but they have a lot more skin in the game than I do because they started so much longer ago. But they always do say, you've done a lot for how old you are, you're so young, I've done so much and we can only hope that you bring the rest of Latin America up with you. So established, no, um, but working for it, absolutely. I will call you the minute I feel established. I love that. And do, do you feel on that road to maybe feeling established if that's where you're headed, that it, do you ever feel like, man, like I, I want this to happen now or are you are you able to be like more, you know, it's going to come when it comes. How, what's your perspective on it? I want to do all the things and I want mm -hmm. them now. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's the, the lack of patience coming back again. The lack of patience <laughs> coming in and my absolute just need to be better and need mm -hmm. to be just a better version of the last event and always trying to innovate and keep pushing forward, keep pushing envelopes that aren't necessarily opened or even wanting to be touched at the moment. I want to touch those. That's That's where I'm going. Um, it's just, it's a weird time, man, <laughs> um, to be doing all these cool things and just, you know, always remembering to be very grateful of where you land. Cause I'm, I'm beyond grateful of where I've landed so far. I love that. I love that. And so with so much going on, like you just mentioned, is there something that you go back to, or is there a few things that you go back to that keep you going through the times, you know, the ups and downs, what would that be for you? At um, my last company, uh, we had, it's the largest fashion and business fair in Latin America and the whole of Latin America. So they usually have around 50,000 people come in and out for a four day fair. So it's 50,000 people every day. It's a huge fair it's in the biggest convention center in mexico um and we had to go from our 26 to 30 runways to about 13 because of the pandemic because of everything that had been going on um and at some point i looked at my bosses and i said what we're not going to do is fire me like no because we have to have some form of fashion thing in there and what we're not going to do is let me go so i'm going to come up with something i'm going to propose something and if you don't like it, cool, I'll take the L. But before that, we're not doing that. Um, so along with my team, I was able to rebrand 30 runways to a completely pandemic friendly environment. So whenever I'm like, oh, I miss that, or Ali, you, you could do so much better, just relax. <laughs> you rebranded 37 years of runways for a pandemic and that scheme is still going on so if i could do that i can breathe for a little a little longer than two seconds and keep going so there's just like that 
those little little wins along that you just have to appreciate and truly like say them out loud from time to time because if you keep them in your head they're just going to stay there yeah no i love that i'm such a big believer in taking pride in your progress and celebrating those little wins because if you can only be happy i say this all the time i've said this on episodes before is like if you can only be happy when i get there you know it's like you can't be happy until you're established you're not going to be happy because you're going to get there eventually and then there's always going to be something next so you have to enjoy those little victories and and then because it feels good you're like man i'm feeling down today but hey I, I revolutionized the fashion game already. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just new into it. So no, I love that. I love that stuff. So it is coming to that time of the show. Like I always say, it's my, it's a bittersweet moment for me because it's coming to an end, which I hate to see, but you're leaving us with your most valuable piece of advice. It's time for us to cash out here. So Perfect. I would like to hear what you have for us. Leave the people with a little extra money on the road. It's actually right off of your book. Um, it's, Humbly kick ass and take names. Um, I say humbly because that is something that you do not come across often. And I think it's so important for you to know when to take pride on your things and when to just humbly, yeah, that was me. Um, And by no means does this mean I'm never going to talk about my, you know, all of the things that I've done and all of my achievements, my goals, my standards, but there's a way to do that without coming off wrong and negatively to people and higher ups and everyone around you will be so grateful that you're not that person that you are able to say I work for this and that company and I've been able to do this yes I did that and call it a day it's not it's a bragging moment but it's not an obnoxious moment and it feels good to people around you because they're you're giving them confidence and it feels good to you Cause you're not just in your head thinking, Oh, I did that. And I can't say anything. No, you absolutely can humbly kick ass and take names. Cause it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> it absolutely, it absolutely does. And I love that. I think that what, what better way to end the show on that high note right there. So Ali, I can't thank you enough and know that you always have a fan in me. I'm always pulling for you and I'm so excited to, you know, see all the great things you continue to do and how you continue to revolutionize the fashion industry and game. So thank you so much for coming on today. No, thank you. I had so much fun. 